welcome back to the Eye to Eye, the Digital Renaissance podcast. I'm your host, Percy Hornack, and this week I'm here to tell you about the City of Misfit Tales, one of our longest-running projects within the Digital Renaissance project that wrapped up with two mini-documentaries by young artists Ben Orego and Julian Glatzer. It was inspired by Dadaist art and became a space for young artists to collage ideas that interested them and turn those things into art supported by the other artists of the Digital Renaissance. First off, we'll chat with Ben about his project. I'm Ben Orego. How long have you been doing indies? I want to, I think this is my third year this summer. Yes, we are here to talk about the City of Misfit Tales project. What did you know about Dadaism and the other influences that Bob was drawing inspiration from before you started this project? Or did you literally come nothing. in? Cool. What did you expect out of the project? Like what made you sign up if you didn't know? Um, I guess the main driving factor was that it was a multi-week project. And I was it was just the intrigue of, ooh, it's got like an overarching vibe to it. Can you talk a little bit about what the process of doing the project was like? Can you like explain what exactly it is? Dadism or the project? The project. Oh, okay. Um, it was just kind of like taking something mundane and turning it into a story. It was... For me, it was, there was an example that he gave about a bike ride, and it was just kind of something like that. Just turn something very mundane that people would mostly look over, something you do every day, into a, a story, an art form. Do you want to take a stab at explaining what Dadaism is, or do you want to skip that one? Uh, I, I can try. Yeah, let's, I think that would be cool. I think that would be fun. Um, what I read on the wiki <laughs> is that Dadaism is big, Dadaism or whatever, it's basically the artist saying, this is art because I said so. That's it's just a kind of- fantastic explanation of what Dadaism is, actually. Do you feel like you connect to that as an artist? I think, I, I, I don't know, I, I think I do. I like that. Uh, while I do enjoy traditional art a great deal more, I do see, I do respect the concept of saying, this is art because I said it is, because rules and restrictions are hard sometimes. <laughs> That makes total sense. So I know you said you were inspired by the bike ride example, but is there anything else that inspired sort of your finished movie that you made in the project? I think that was, that, the bike ride was more just the jumping off point. That was just, okay, I know what it's going to be. And so it was that I take walks every day now in quarantine to get out of the house. And so that was kind of the inspiration. It was just like, yeah, it was just, it's a very meditative process. You just kind of walk up and down the street and listen to a book. And that was kind of the main thing because in the bike thing, there was music. And I, was, and I said, well, music doesn't really play on my walks. It's books. So that's all I can really say about the inspiration. Cool. Do you mind describing for people who haven't seen it what your finished project looked like? Um, it's basically like a first person view of me taking a walk and um it's it's not in the right order it's very jumbled up but that's good and neil degrasse tyson talks over it uh about the universe and how small we are in comparison and how interesting it is and then um, we get to a lake shot where everything just kind of stops for a minute you just kind of get to embrace it. And then slowly, the first-person camera view walks back home. What was it like working with Bob Lawson on this project? He was great. I loved, uh, I liked working with him. Enthusiasm and just kind of 
I think what was nice was he didn't shoot down any ideas, which it was just very nice. And like, it, I don't know, it's always nice when you're working things out. Like you have the idea in your head, but you still need someone there to go, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So that was kind of what, what was like working with Bob. He was a yes man. Do you have any uh, sort of big takeaways or things that you learned from this process or things you'll take with you in other projects that you do? I mean, a little bit of no, but I think if there's a real answer, it's probably Dadaism as a whole, like that anything can be art as long as people say it is. I love that. Do you have any final final thoughts or things you want to share about the project? I think, I guess if people didn't know, there was this interesting thing where I was reading 112263, the Stephen King book. And so the original plan was instead of the audio, instead of the Neil deGrasse Tyson audio, it was supposed to be that. But the editor I was working with, something happened and he thought it was Neil deGrasse Tyson and it worked out way better. It's really cool. Thank you for that little Easter egg of behind the, behind the scenes. Thank you so much for your time, Ben. I appreciate it. Now let's hear a little about the City of Misfit Tales project as a whole from lead artist Bob Lawson. Yeah, let's chat. Let's chat. So I would love if we could get started, if you could just introduce yourself, uh, share however many details you would like to. Oh, that's always so complex. Um, so uh, let's see. I am, well, I was uh, artistic director of Andes for a dozen years from the mid-90s. Um, and that's where I met Jared and so many other people. And... Um, I, it was interesting because I, I was, uh, uh, Dan Herlin ran, ran uh, Andy's before me, and I uh, directed a show there that summer, which was like the first summer I'd come up to this neck of the woods from New York. And uh, uh, I loved the place. I loved the, you know, it was like, oh my God, this place. I actually saw a, uh, I actually went to a fundraiser where uh, Dan uh, did a short, had, there were uh, kids doing a short play called, uh, of Danny the Dinosaur or something like that. And uh, I, I just adored it. And I went up to him afterwards and said, I don't care what you want me to do, but I want to work with you and this place. Because it was so stunning. It was just stunning. So uh, the next year I directed a, a show in the summer, uh, a David Lindsay, a bear play. And uh, that end of that summer, he asked me to run the place. And I was like, I don't think I've ever wanted to run a children's theater. You know I mean? It's like never been interesting to me. Uh, but of course, obviously Andy's is not that. And um, so that's that. So I, I ran Andy's for a dozen years, uh, absolutely adored it. And, um, and I've taught uh, theater and film. Um, I am now a freelancer. I do writing uh, that's scripting and uh, uh, TV stuff. That's what I'm doing right now is TV stuff. Um, all remote, and of course, like everybody else. And uh, mm, uh, yeah, you know, I started out as an actor and then I wasn't very good at that. So I got into everything else. <laughs> kind of became it's incredibly under. relatable. <laughs> <laughs> if I can ask a question that was not on the list of questions that I sent you, I'm curious oh, about right. what specifically about Andy's was so, what about it made you feel like, okay, yeah, this is in name a children's theater but I feel drawn to this I feel connected to this like what what did you find that was really special about Andy's yeah um well you know first off that you know I guess they, this I don't know if this started before Dan but you know they were just doing new work um for I, I'm gonna say kids I know it's 
young artists is the phraseology now, but we don't, they was used to be kids back in my day. And, you know, if they were 40 years old, they were still Andy's kids. You know, it was yes, just, Andy's uh, kids, I think, is still, is still is the still term. Is thing? Is that okay? Sorry. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that really attracted me. And I think the thing that was so amazing to me was that having worked with um, professionals and lots of different performers over the years, I, I was amazed from the get-go at uh, how the kids were, were willing to take any, any risk. They would jump off any cliff. You know, they, they'd be like, great, yeah, let's do that. Why don't we all run across and do this and then fall to the ground? They'd be like, okay, and just do it, you know? So there's always something sort of astonishing about that. And they were never afraid to um, go into a, a rehearsal process with very little in hand. You know, we would frequently go in and I'd say, okay, so I had this idea for a show and it's about this and it's about this, but I'm not sure and I've written these three scenes and it's just one song, whatever, you know, and, and they'd say, okay. And then usually somewhere three quarters of the way through, somebody would panic, uh, you know, and they would say, um, we're not going to make it. I just, I just don't think we're going we're gonna to have a show. And everybody would be like, it's okay. They'd talk them off the ledge. And you would always get there. And um, it was also because the, the support was not only this sort of thin layer of professional artists at the top, but this very uh, substantial layer of older kids mentoring younger kids. You know, you've got eight or nine-year-olds who are there for the first time. And you've got, and this is, I think, really unusual in our culture, particularly. You know, you've got teenagers who are like, come on, it's okay. Let's go. It'll be fine. So it's a, it, it was a lovely, it's just a lovely place of uh, continual mentorship and, um, and people who are not only just, I am an actor, but they would act and they would do tech and they would design stuff and they would paint and they would do the box office. You know, everybody wanted to just sort of be in that, in that place. And that is, that's extraordinary, I think. Well, no, and I, yeah, the show that I did, my first summer at Andy's was last summer, uh, and mm -hmm. we did this crazy, devised, half site specific, half in the theater, wild thing that we had not written. Like I, yeah, I've never, as a professional artist, had the freedom to yeah. only have an idea and and start rehearsal. Like that's wild to me. Yeah, wild. It's really great. So yeah. unique. So. Uh, Shifting gears a little bit toward your project with the Digital Renaissance this summer, City of Misfit Tales, I think is very much in the spirit of what we were just talking about of just like, here's a, here's a frame, here's a, an inspiration, and we'll see what, what uh, comes of it. I'm curious about what inspired um, the project and what specifically draws you to Dada and that style of, of art making. Yeah. Do you, do you like Dada? Are you a Dada? Uh, I don't know that I would describe myself as a Dada, but I do really like the idea of this is art because I said so, and it doesn't have to make cohesive sense. Um, I'm just going to mm -hmm. put the things that I like together. Yeah. Yeah. I um, Well, when Jared uh, got in touch with me, you know, like a hundred years ago and I don't know, March or something like that, I, um, 
he was explaining what he was tackling, which I thought was uh, a brilliant way to approach the situation that we found ourselves in. I mean, as opposed to sort of, we can find a way to do it exactly the way we've done it, but slightly differently, you know, like instead of wrestling that to the ground, just sort of going, okay, all right, okay. This is gonna be a different landscape. And the first thing that came to mind in that discussion was something that was uh, vaguely Dada, just because it was, we live in such uh, anarchic times and uh, chaotic times and crazy times that the sort of, um, I don't know, the sort of voluntary madness of what Dada was, that kind of not, not, mad, not sort of craziness thrust upon you, but to decide that you are going to approach it with a kind of madness and to see what throws anything out on the table and see what comes and see how other people respond to it and go there and then change gears and change gears. Don't be didactic about it. So it seemed very much in that modality. I've always, I, I, the work that I make, not so much for television, but theater work uh, and that sort of thing is, has always been very collage oriented. You know, I don't write linearly or create linearly. I, I'll, I'll, I'll create a piece and then another piece and I'll try and figure out where the, ultimately where those pieces belong or how they juxtapose uh, and how they echoey or fight against each other. And then ultimately how they accumulate to a, a story in the largest sense of the word. So the, the, that I think is also very, uh, I think of it as very Dada. Um, and, um, and also being able to approach an idea from any direction. So um, it's not, I am writing a story, this is the outline of the story, these are the characters, dot, dot, dot. It, it's, it could be, I have, this, I have this really strong image. I have this piece of music that's in my brain. I have a, oh, a color that just drives me crazy. I, I need to use that color. So that, that can become an entry point as much as anything else. So that, that kind of omnivorous uh, approach to things, I think, is, is just something I, it, it part of my nature and something I've nurtured over the years. And um, I've always found that Dada was always like that as well. You know, uh, um, I'm writing a poem, but it's going to be noise, and I'm going to wear an aluminum costume. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, join me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the fun of it, the play of it as well. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, it like, as an art style emerged from like, a time of like a great political strife and a time where the world didn't make sense. So let's lean into it, right? Like that, yeah, feels super yeah. appropriate for, for where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were responding to um, World War One. Mm -hmm. And um and the artists were, was also interesting and has always been interesting to me about that movement was that they were from all over, you know, they were basically refugees. They were artistic refugees and war ref not war refugees. That's a terrible phrase for this. They were artistic refugees. You know, they were Swiss and they were German and they were French and they were uh, Bulgarian. And they were from all over the place and they kind of, a, a bunch of them ended up in Zurich and um, found each other and dot, dot, dot. You know. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, yeah, I do too. So entering um, 
the project within the digital renaissance did you have a goal or an intention in mind or was it really just like let's see what happens you know it was it was pretty much let's see what happens i i had this um what's the word overwrought uh image of of creating a kind of digital city um i, I i'm an architecture uh junkie. I, I just, I'm, I love architecture. I'm not an architect, but I, it's actually Dan Herlin and I used to talk about this all the time that if we could be reborn, we would be an architect the next time around. You know, we would be architects. So I always think in terms of buildings and cities and that just comes to mind. Um, so my idea was to construct a city, like a digital city that you could navigate. It, it sounds like a video game more than anything else, but but if you went into a building, you know, you open the door and in that building, there would be a story. And that could be a film. It could be a collage of things. It could be a, an oral story it could, with images. It could be anything. So that was where it sort of started. Um, the, it, it was originally called something else that I can't recall, but when, in one of our early conversations, Jared said, oh, it reminds me of the um, Island of Misfit Toys is what he said. You know that, you know that, the Island of Misfit Toys said. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I loved that phrase. So uh, the city of misfit stories, misfit tales, you know, it was like, great, let's go in there and make stuff. And so originally I was imagining, you know, dozens of, dozens of uh, young artists and dozens of artists sort of cross percolating and stuff like that, which would you know, be lovely. Um, we ended up making these, there were just a couple people ultimately, and we ended up making these, what I call just mini documentaries of, of sort of something that documents your daily life. And, and, in, and I had made this, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I had made this uh, bicycle video mm -hmm. uh, called The Bike Ride. And uh, it's like two minutes long. And it's, it's really just my bike and I, I take a bike ride every day, so super simple and we use that as a kind of inspiration or jumping off point and um julian loves magnets ben takes this walk every day lorena who was was in it originally uh climbs a tree every day and i was like those are perfect let's do those you know yeah and then just sort of uh, accumulate material and ideas and sounds and images and then start to collage them right how do they go together what do they do? What does it feel like? What's the rhythm? Shake, find, shake. Yeah. Did you see any sort of evolution in the young artists that you were working with throughout the summer? Because I know I talked to Ben yesterday about his experience of the project and he was like, I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious if you, in the role of the, the leader, the lead artist, the observer, saw any significant changes in the young artists as they worked? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that what happens is that, the, or what happened, is that the, they, they had this idea that was unformed, but, but you know, once you, once you put an idea in front of you, it becomes a kind of lens or entry point into things. So, so then you start to pay attention differently. And like take Ben's for instance, you know, he said, oh, it's the walk I take every day and go to the same place. And I, I usually collect stones. I pick up a stone. I have a stone pile. You know, he was just sort of describing it. But then when he started to accumulate images, 
I felt for both of them really that they got there was a, there was a different kind of clarity that was about what you know when you start being consciously and a conscious observer of a thing that you do on a regular basis it changes the thing that you do on a regular basis you 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 find new things you you like bends you know you 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 realize that bridge is is an important crossing point you you realize that that a lake is an important landing point. You know, they become lily pads along the way of your journey that you are conscious of. And I, I think that's, I mean, that's art making, <laughs> you know, that is art making. And I, 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 it's an interesting thing too, because I think that sometimes people wonder if I become too conscious of a thing that I do, it will ruin the thing that I love, you know? But I, I, I'm, I'd be interested to talk to Ben a month from now, after he's done his walk again, and say, so has your walk changed? Or has it become uh, clarified in some way? I, I don't really know, but you know, once you become observant, it changes things. And, and Julian's was the same, you know, he, he plays magnets all the time. Julian's my god, my godchild, but like, you know, we are, we have a, a relationship. <laughs> um, and he plays with those magnets all the time, but he had never tried to put them into a, a, a place that had that was telling a story of some sort in that way and documenting it. So he came up against the frustrations of it. And, the, and ultimately, it's a wonderful piece. You know, like when I remember one of our meetings, he said, I said, so sound, think about sound and music or that kind of thing. And they both had ideas. And, and Julian said, I want to use something from the magnetic fields, that group, that band. And it was like, yeah, that is perfect. How perfect is that? That's amazing. Right? Right? And, you know, Ben had this idea for a book, and then Andreas sort of made a wonderful mistake and thought it was a different book. I mean, it was this whole thing. So you, you find out the process of your process and the process of collaboration and, and dramaturgy. I mean, I was basically a dramaturg mm -hmm. during the process. So, and, and I think that ultimately that... Uh, for people in our fields, that process of collaboration is uh, the heart and soul, you know, of what we do. Yeah. Uh, so I think they they got they got a real uh, a real good taste of that. I'm curious if you've found any takeaways that you'll bring with you into future projects or collaborations. If there's anything that you felt like you learned or took away from my own work. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think that the thing that 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 I would say that I took away because it reminded me acutely of what it was like to be at Andy's as the, as the person who was running the joint, that clarity of language and observation is really important and not always easy. You know, I can be very sloppy with myself if I'm sitting in my office, I'm writing something, you know, and I go, eh, I'll work on it later or whatever. But if you're actually talking to somebody and they're trying to puzzle out an idea, you need to listen and watch incredibly intently and then process quickly and be very lucid about how you respond to the work at hand. Not, not the thing that, oh, you know what I would do, like that kind of thing, but, but more, I see what it is that you're doing. I, this is what I believe that you are trying to accomplish Maybe if you look at it in this direction or think about this, it will help. 
you accomplish that. You accomplish your idea. And sort of, you, so you sort of take yourself, you remove yourself from it, and at the same time are intimately involved in, in the process. So it's a very, it's a very interesting space to be in. Yeah, yeah, I, I struggle with that, even though like I'm a dramaturg and that's literally what dramaturgy is, that's what that role is intended to do. And it, yeah, I think it's, it is hard to take yourself out of the equation when like sometimes art making can be very, it's hard to pull yourself out of it, I think. Right, especially if you're, if you're a maker, you know, if you make things and you have, uh, like I do obviously some history, you know, of making things. So there's a lot of stuff. Go back to Dada for a second. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting about it as a, it, it'd be bizarre to call it a discipline, but is that, yeah, right? But um, they, were, they were continually allowing themselves to, to not know. To, to get out of the box, to get out of the box. Because, you know, no matter how much you sort of think outside the box, you start to make new boxes. And you have to kind of keep going out. And, you know, you have to keep that. That process is not a one-shot deal. So I think that this is, that that is a great sort of frame for what I went through. And, you know, because, again, it's not my work I'm trying to shape. I'm trying to get out of my preferences, my predilections, my, my uh, presumptions and habits, and, and look clearly as possible at the thing that they are developing in front of your eyes. I'm thinking back to your original proposal for the project, and I remember it had a, a phrase that I find really, really interesting and have been kind of chewing on for weeks, honestly, the, the idea of true story building. And I was curious if you could talk a little bit about that, what that means. A true story? The building of truth. Explain that a little bit more. Wasn't the original title of the project um, something about the the true story building or something like that? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, the uh, yes, yeah. There was a, the building, right? There, uh, yeah. There you would go. Yeah, <laughs> boy. These things are like time is completely. Oh, it's not real at all. Completely incomprehensible. Yeah, there was a building, the building of true stories, right? That, and you'd go up every story and there'd be another story, yeah. story, story, that kind of thing. I think that uh, it, it, my bike thing, the bike video I made, I remember making the original, the first title card is a true story. Mm -hmm. That's all it says. It's just a true story by Bob Lawson. You know, like what stories aren't? Or, you know, if you are, if you are telling a story that is meaningful to you or honest or coming from a real place, it's a true story, you know, not factual. It's mm -hmm. a true story. Those two words are great together, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because thinking about data, I think we have an impulse to label things that don't necessarily make logical sense as, as false or un untrue or unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it feels like if you're genuinely following an artistic impulse, and not taking too, like not editing yourself too much as you go. That is in fact, maybe the true, the truest story that you could be telling. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always used to, I've always loved going in the room and not quite knowing what I was gonna do. And as I said, and uh, years ago, I used to, uh, after I was over being an actor and I became a director and uh, 
But I would go into rehearsals and I'd have mapped out every page, everything. I knew exactly what it was going to, where people were going to go, that kind of thing. Super boring. And then I, I, it was actually a production of uh, Macbeth. I can say that because we're not a theater. And um, I decided that I had, I was working with a great designer and um, we just decided that the whole thing was going to revolve around chess imagery and didn't know anything else. So I went to rehearsals and was like, okay, so I don't know, let's read through the scene. Let's see what it's doing. And then invented. And the, the sort of um, artistic thrill of being in a room and hearing what was coming out of people's mouths and ideas that were coming out and trying to sort of try and become the kind of uh, uh, the sheepdog or, or the triangulator of all these things, not the, I am making this thing, I'm, I'm the director, you know, I mean, that kind of thing, you know, sort of like just being the person in the middle going, ooh, 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 that, that's a, ooh, 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 you know, like that, wow, how much fun is that? And then it's, and then it goes back to collaboration. I don't know where we started with this. Did you ask a question? Was there something there? Or did I say I did something? ask, no, I did ask a question and I, and then we just sort of chatted and I think that's good. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> well, this is stuff that I don't think about very often. You know, I used to, I used to do it and think about it all the time, but I, now I, my brain is tweaked in a different way. I do different, I approach things differently, you know, because just because of the nature of the work. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating. Great stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I love just talking about art making in the abstract. Cause I feel like that's a thing that I also don't get to do super often is just think about yeah. it. How, how much fun yeah. it is to do what we do. Um. Well, I'll tell you, it is a great way to live. I think it's a great way to live. It's just, if you're always, if you're always looking and not presuming or as much as possible, then, then it's, there's just so much joy in it. You know, then you see a shadow on a wall and you go, that's so beautiful. And then it's gone. But you know, that that sort of, and you don't do that 24 seven, but you know, enough of that kind of not plodding through the world. What's to say? What's better? It's a gift entirely. I think that's a lovely note for us to end on. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about your process. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Eye to Eye, the Digital Renaissance podcast. Theme music is by Dylan Gladhorn, artwork by Raven Bartlett, production and editing by me. See you next week for another dose of Andy's magic. Beep.